Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. We've been in a series uh, mm-hmm. currently called The Way of Love. Yes. And we've both been sharing from these different ideas of uh, what it looks like. Really, we could say the way of Jesus, right? Definitely the way of Jesus. So uh, we've been talking about so many different things, but I, I want to even bring up this graph if you haven't been here and seen this, but we've got this idea of the foundation. Our very foundation in life should be love. And from love, we have these different practices that we do, like build relationships, um, acts of service. How many know that's part of what we do? You know, there's something to do in the kingdom of God, but we also have worship that all comes from and flows out of love. But of course, that's our focus, you know, and and we've talked about this idea of our focus and God's focus, because a lot of times we think that the growth and the outreach and what we're going to talk about today, disciples making disciples, DMD, wouldn't fit, wouldn't fit on the block. No, Um, department of motorized dune buggies. Dune buggies, yeah, yeah, or that. But, you know, we see our focus, but, but God's focus really is to cause a growth. And we've talked about that here in the last couple of weeks. But you opened up about relationships. I did. Did anybody receive anything from that? No, it's exciting to realize that your relationships aren't built on agreement. But they're built on the decision to have a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. The decision, because there's no one that thinks the way you think. Right. How many know that? Yeah. <gasps> Shocker. Well, I mean, just, I say it all the time, look around on social media. Oh. No, I don't look around on social media. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> me either, me either. <laughs> People be like, you missed my birthday. I'm like, sorry, bro, right. I wasn't on Facebook. Right. I, you know, I don't memorize those things, but nothing personal. But yeah, I mean, I am purpose stay away because there, there's this, this polarization that has happened to a place where I, I will unfriend you if you don't agree with everything I do. That's and, the truth. How does that work? I mean, do you and your, I know you and your wife are really good at agreeing on everything, but my wife and I aren't, but we're right. still married. Definitely. Almost 20 years. The reason is, is because we can agree to disagree the and still have friendship. The decision to walk together is yeah. not based on agreement, yeah, it's but huge. it's based on that decision. Yeah. So that's why people in marriages tank and wreck mm-hmm. because they're like, ooh, la, la, when they fall in love and everything's lovey-dovey. And then you get past this certain phase of, wow, I actually know you. And now I know that you don't like to do this. Right. I'm falling out of love. Yeah. Yeah. And that's usually how it works. And, you know, I, I think they say it takes, you know, a couple of years of that. There's, it's called infatuation. Yeah. So it's really hard to make a decision that I truly love this person until you get past that euphoric feeling. Come on, you know, yeah. you know you've all been there. But... Love is a decision, and so what you're saying is relationships are. Everything is, Pete, yes. even acts of service. Totally. Um, you know, we, we talked about the fact that you can actually serve those whom you don't even like, whom you don't even agree with. I mean, Jesus came to be the servant of all. What an example. I mean, Jesus literally served people who crucified him. That's quite the example of love, isn't it? That's crazy. That's a big pill to swallow. Yeah. Knowing that someone has either stabbed you in the back or will stab you in the back and you still show love. 
Come on, yeah. somebody. Yeah. And showing love doesn't mean that you put yourself out there to just no. be harmed. Right. If you're in an abusive relationship, I would suggest get out. Get out of it. Amen. But, but don't harbor bitterness towards that person. Release them. Forgive them. Love them from afar and move on. So it's not saying that you know, love lets you get beat up. It's right. just saying we have to make these decisions in our life. And even worship's the same thing. All this should come out of love. Yes, worship. Yeah. We hit on that. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Focusing on the Father is true worship. Yeah. The verse says that there will be a time, and the time is now, when the four walls where you worship won't matter. Yeah. He's seeking true worshipers. Yeah. Amen? And yeah. we are a true worshiper when we focus on him. And focusing on him is what makes a difference makes a difference. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Acts of love focused on him towards somebody that is disrespectful or rude or you pass them at work. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But you're still acts of love going the extra mile. Yeah. Acts of love. You're going that extra mile, but hey, I'm focusing on you today, Father. This is worship. Now, it's great that we get together this morning for community worship. How many enjoyed that? Yeah. Yeah. Three songs. But worship doesn't stop with three songs. That's right. Worship is our daily walk. Yeah. And you think about Jesus in that story was speaking to a Samaritan woman. That these were a people who were despised yes. by the Jews. Look down on. And Jesus was inviting them in. I'm telling you, Jesus did some radical stuff. Did some radical stuff, y'all. I got to get your language going there a little bit. I know. Bit. I, I'm, I'm <laughs> You're trying to abstain from that. Trying to hold back. Well, My sanguineness. <laughs> I want to read out of John chapter 13. If you've if you got your Bibles, go ahead and uh, get those cracked open and ready to go. If you've got your digital device, your iPhone, you can go on to version. If you have the app, open that up. Go to the events tab. Uh, we have all the notes right in there for you. Or you can just follow along on the screens as well as online. But this is really cool here. In John chapter 13, we're going to read verses 30 through, 33 through 35. Uh, Jesus says this. He says, Dear children, I will be with you only a little longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come where I am going. Mm. But look at this. So now, say so now. So now. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Say new commandment. This is huge. You got a key in on this. Jesus is saying something brand new. He says, love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. (laughs) Look at this in 35. This is huge, isn't it, Pete? We're going to say huge a lot today. We are, man. It's so it's, huge. It's, it says your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So hold up because I'm excited over that because just the word new in front of commandment makes my ears perk up. Okay, wait a minute. What are we talking about? Because we, have, we already have commandments. They already have commandments on what to do. Sure. Oh, hundreds of them. Mm-hmm. Not just 10. Right. Okay. And what, wait, wait, here's a new one. So new to me means that none of these people are doing it. Mm. Come on. Right. If they were doing it, it wouldn't be new because they'd good. just be doing it. Yeah, that's So good. hey, here's something new for you to do. Love one another. That's like, <laughs> take a step back because right. nobody's doing it. Like, and, is this wait, new, wait, Jesus? Wait. Is this new? It shouldn't be. <laughs> right. But right. this, okay, we're going to take another step. It's even more exciting because now when you do this, you'll prove to the world that you're my disciples. Come on. So what that shows me in my brain, all those people 
that are out walking around eating, let's say, red Skittles. Okay. Come on. If you're eating red Skittles, that will show the world that you're my disciples. Because nobody's out there eating red Skittles. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Nobody's, nobody's doing it. And so now that it's new, and just for you to eat the red Skittles, it's going to show the world that you're my disciples. That's awesome. So you're just breaking it down. I mean, you had me at candy. Let me just say that. Sweet. But, but I love that. You know what's cool about that, Pete, is actually in this time, you know, Jesus had disciples, right? How many are familiar with this? But you know that all rabbis had disciples and followers? So this wasn't something new. But what's interesting at this time is you had these rabbis and their disciples and these, these um, disciples, the, their followers, their learners, they would go everywhere the rabbi went, everywhere. They would learn everything, not just scriptural things and, and interpretation of you know, the law of Moses or anything like that or the Torah, but they actually would do everything identical to the rabbi. Mm. Like if the rabbi tied his sandals a certain way, they learned how to tie their sandals that way. That's right. If he put his belt on a certain way, and tie, they, he, they would do it the exact same way. Why? They wanted to be just like him. And he was duplicating himself. Exactly. So we could say that the proof of, say, is in the this pudding. disciple, well, not quite, not oh. quite. It's Skittles, not pudding. Oh, yes. But the proof for that rabbi following him, if you're his disciple, yes. you'll tie your sandals that way. There you go. And you could show the world that you're his rabbi by them just mm -hmm. looking at your feet, at your sandals. Yeah. So by just them eating red Skittles, they're going to show the world that they are God's disciples or just by them showing love because, again, nobody's doing it. And Jesus says, the proof that you're a follower of me is not necessarily how I interpret the Torah, not necessarily how I wear my robe or wear my sandals. The most important thing of all, a new command I give you, is to love others as I've loved you. And when you do that, people go, whoa, they're part of the Jesus clan. Yeah. They're part of the Jesus tribe. It, you know, making disciples, sometimes, disciple is a biblical word. Sure. And it's something that you're following after, almost like an apprenticeship, skill trade. If that helps ring a bell in somebody's mind, hey, I'm going to follow after this teacher who's teaching me how to do a skilled trade. So let me ask you this. Here's the big question for today then. What is a disciple? Mm. What is a disciple? Break it down. Because as we break down that following thing, I want us to see that the Greek word, actually, if you look at the definition of this word disciple, it just means learner. It's one who follows one's teaching. So we could say it's a learner of this person. I choose to learn from this person. So it, it is like the apprenticeship thing. Yeah, yeah. And a good friend of ours, Dan Rayner, who is an awesome brother. He's awesome. He's a master electrician. He just did some work here a couple weeks ago. Hey, he yeah. pastors a church in Swartz Creek. Uh, he's awesome. He's a, he's a great guy. Um, I'm actually on the board of that church. Come on, man. Look at you. You're on two boards. I'm on. Pin me up. Oh, wait. <laughs> no, I, I love him. I love serving underneath him. He's a great brother. But in high school, I started working for Dan. Before I could even drive, I remember my dad dropping me off crack early at his house. But <laughs> it's crack, crack at dawn. Crack at oh, dawn. It's okay. Good. I want to keep that clean. <laughs> uh, and I, he would drop me off, and we would walk into this house that studded out, 
ready to pull electrical wire. No drywall. No drywall, just, just stud walls, okay? No doors, no trim. He would walk through the house and be like, Pete, pull boxes from here, 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 and here where these marks are. And then here's a three-gang plug switch. That's going to go here. Run that up to the fan-light combo and back. And then he would step through a wall, not through a doorway, step through a wall and be like, and pull that around here, here, here. And this plug, we're going to do a home run. I mean, he talked like it was just what he did. Yeah, second nature. It was a struggle for me to learn where he was going and what he was doing. But through my life and functioning and following, I learned to pull wire and actually wire a house. Yeah. And that goes with any skill trade. Doesn't yeah. matter, you know, carpentry with my father or working on a car with my father-in-law. Hey, yeah. these are the steps it takes to get here. Yeah, so it's, it's them showing you how it's done. The same thing for me. I painted for over 25 years. Same thing when I first went in. I just, I mean, I knew what paint was. I knew it came in a can of you some slap sort. It on the wall, right? Yeah, that's what you think. But then you're like, whoa, like you got to cut in and tape off. And there's all this prep work. The prep work is what blew my mind. I thought you just painted a wall. The but no, what takes longest, come on, John, can I get an amen, is what? All the prep work. That's how it works with the trades. It takes longer to prep than it, it does It does, paint. it does. But what I found is I would watch them and then they would watch mm. me. And they would watch me do it, and eventually I could do it on my own until the place where I had my own business and things like that. Yeah. But again, I was an apprentice. I could, we could say I was a learner or a disciple of the person who taught me these gifts yeah, and how, these skills. How I like to look at it is these steps that you do while you're learning something, these steps can fall into works. Sure. Here's your step, one, two, three, and four. And sometimes we look at the pyramid with love being the foundation, and we say, okay, here's my steps, one, two, and three, and four, in order to climb to the top to make a disciple. But that's not how it is. We're going to learn out of love, flow these steps. Yeah. If it's not out of love, it now has become works. Yeah. And you can get burnt out on it. But when you do it out of love, it's worship, it's relationship, yeah. it's, it's making service. disciples. Yeah, it's all those things. And it almost seems effortless when it comes out of love. You know, for years, I mean, with the right intentions, I would work really hard to do things, but I think it was more out of obligation. I say it like this, that you can do things out of obligation or you can do them out of inspiration. And love inspires you to do things without you even having to think twice. It becomes that, like Dan Rayner was like, go here, here. He just knew walking in. It's like in life, love just leads you to a place where it's automatic to respond to people in love and with love. But when we're not there in our love walk, I fall back to the water explanation. Okay, I need to drink more water in my life. It's not just a one-time thought. It's a thought throughout the whole day. Yeah. Okay, wait, wait. I got to stop and drink water right now. A couple hours later, I need to stop and drink water. I need to stop and walk in love. Man, that person just did something. I need to walk in love. Or yeah. now I found out how they really are. Sure. I need to walk in love. Yeah, that's good. So really the steps or the practices... These things that we see, and I do like this. I like, we talked a couple weeks ago uh, with our good friend Bud, said, you know, I love that, that pyramid. I like that, that chart that you're showing. But he likes to picture it turned upside down like a funnel. So when love yeah. is the foundation, even though we know foundations are usually below, everything just kind of trickles down. That's so good. That's and, huge. And I'm telling you, that, that was game changing. That, that's, that's the funnel, Thanks, we the appreciate funnel that. of love. The funnel of love. You know, the tunnel of love. That's I mean, we don't. My dad told me about it. But it's the funnel of love. I don't want to hear about he and Kay's stories uh, in the tunnel of love. But 
The steps or practices flow from love. So Jesus made this statement. Again, he says, your love for one another. Let me say it again. Your love for one another. And this isn't just those whom you like. Those who go to the same church and have all the same beliefs as you. He says, your love for one another will prove to the world. This is proof. The proof in the pudding. Yes. That what? You are my disciples. So disciples are, I guess... The easiest way to say is disciples are learners of love. Say, I'm a learner of love. Does it help a little bit better if we said, now when you show love, they will know because I will be your teacher instead of disciple? I, I'm, I'm hung up because sometimes I like to throw in different words and okay. kind of get out of the box and be like, hey, I'm going to walk in love. I'm going to choose to walk in love. And then we always have the failure mental note of, man, I didn't walk in love, but hey, there's always tomorrow. Sure. So I, I, I do like think, to think it's a, a teacher. I do think it's a viewpoint thing, though, because, again, if, if the proof is our love for one another, that we're a disciple, then the skill we're learning is love. But on the other side, if you notice that culture is working against us, Culture really works against discipleship. It works against love. We could sum it up in one statement. Culture is rooted in self. Mm. So we've talked about this. We haven't referred to it as much, but there's another pyramid that's built on self, not love. And at the top of the, the love pyramid, we see disciples making disciples, or we could say followers of Jesus. Let's just say this, lovers of the world making lovers of the world, right? But at the top of the self is status. Yeah, I like to think that of the, wor- the world's culture. Yeah, We're exactly. not segregating those people in the world. Too many times the church says, oh, that's the world outside the four walls, and we're the church. And they refer to people. And it's us versus them. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a system. Yes. Really? The world's system. And we could say it's a self-culture system. So self-culture makes life all about yourself. It's all about looking out for number one. It's taking care of yourself. And so, you know, instead of relationship building, it's networking. There's, there's just a little, little different way to yep. see it, but eventually it becomes your status. And unfortunately, this can end up in the church. Yeah. And, and the self brings us back to you being singled out, taking I out of team. So there's, there's, you have one agenda, mm-hmm. mine, my agenda, uh, what I want to do what I want to be. Right. I should be able to do this or I should be able to do that. It's, it's, it's pulling that culture into self instead of you using the love funnel out of love. And it's no matter who you step on, right? That's right. And that's a tough one because yeah. when you're in the self category, you tend to walk over those that are next to you or around you in order to move up that one, two, three sure. works pyramid. And I think part of it is I had someone ask me some time back. They said, hey, Andy, I got a question for you. I'm like, what? They said, why is it so hard at times for believers? Now, they're referring to people who believe on Jesus. Maybe they prayed the prayer. They go to church. They do the stuff that a Christian would do. But, but they asked me the question. They said, why is it so hard for believers to receive the gospel? You know, the good news, we talk about it. it's total forgiveness, you're justified through Christ, you're completely righteous, God really loves you, he even likes you, right? It's just, I love you, but I ain't liking you right now, like some of us are at times, like I gotta love you, but I, I ain't gotta like you, but God's not like that. And so it's this whole idea that God really loves us, and my answer was, well, because human nature at times, that, that culture that works against us, it's about working for reward, 
And so I think that carries over to the church a lot of times, the idea of working for reward. And so whether it's, it's growing fruit, you know, growth and outreach or disciples making disciples, I want to be a disciple. What do we do? We work really hard to be a disciple rather than allowing God to focus on that as we're focusing on the foundation of love. And so again, this carries over into church culture. So what do we do? We do the works, we get the badge, we check off the box and now I'm a disciple. How do you know? I got a certificate on Saturday. I graduated from discipleship class. Nothing wrong with that. Right? But sometimes we bring it down to a certificate or a book or a class instead of actually a lifestyle of disciples who are what? Learning what? To love. They are. So it comes down to this performance yes. equals reward. See, that for me, that's a tough spot because now I'm trying to, it's like that black and white thing I talked on worship. Wouldn't it be great if we could list them all in black and white? And be like, okay, this is what to do and what not to do. Or if I take steps one, two, three, four, just to get this ribbon, you know, is that bad? Parameters are nice. Right. But, uh, so here's, here's my aspect. There's a verse that says, study to show yourself approved. Right? How many know that verse? Yeah. I think of this every time there's like steps or something for me to do. It's like, hold up, study to show yourself approved. I would think of this in high school. I'm like, okay, if I study my vocabulary words, Lord, you're going to give me a 10 out of 10. Yeah. You know what? If I study for the exam, if I study hard, if I do my part, you'll do your part. Yeah. Where yeah. are we with that? Well, I think first of all, we have to understand. How many have noticed this when... when when you begin to grow in this relationship, how many would say that you're in a different place than you were a year ago or two years ago, five years ago? So if you notice this too, when, when you grow into like a new understanding of who God is, you begin to read a scripture that you read before and it changes. You see it differently, especially if you dig into the Greek and Hebrew and go, whoa, I mean, one word can change everything. And listen, men translated the Bible, and you got to think about how beautiful this work is with how many authors and how many translations. I mean, we still have like, it's there. I mean, the nucleus of what it should be is there, but sometimes a word might be mistranslated. It's hard to do that in languages. But, but referring to that, you're talking about uh, in Timothy, 2 Timothy, I believe. And go. so Paul is talking to Timothy. Now, Timothy was one of his disciples, right? Yes. And so one thing he says in there is he said that, and we got to remember this, is that as a disciple, Paul actually says that you have studied and you have listened to these oral teachings, which would be the old covenant since you were a child, right? Mm. So the scripture he's speaking of is the old covenant. Now he's also been, you know, this download, the Holy Spirit has downloaded some, some things into the spirit of Paul and he's sharing this. And so now they're sharing these letters and these oral teachings of Paul. They didn't necessarily have a new Testament yet, but that, that verse actually says study to show yourself approved of God. So how many have read that before and thought, okay, I need to study the scriptures hard and do the right things so that I can be approved of God. But I think sometimes this is where things can shift a little bit. Now, I want you to just put your thinking cap on for a moment. It says, study to show yourself approved of God, not disproved, not disqualified. Mm. You see, a lot of Christians, they, they'll study the, the scriptures to find out what's wrong with themselves and others. Come on, you went to that wow. church before. Whoa. I mean, the whole sermon is how you don't measure up and how you're not good enough, right? But the scripture says to show, study to show yourself what? Approved of God. It goes on to say, a workman who needs not be ashamed. Who removed our shame? Jesus. Amen. 
So think about this. What if Paul is saying, Timothy, what I want you to do through all this study and through what we're receiving, these downloads from the Holy Spirit, what I want you to do is I want you to study and everything you see, I want you to see that you're approved of God. Wow. I want you to see that you don't have to walk around in life with shame. There you go. Doesn't that transform even this idea? And he says, rightly dividing the word of truth. So what is, we could say this, rightly dividing is finding what has been approved and the removal of shame. Does that make a little more sense? Uh, totally. Instead of you trying to prove yourself to God, it's like, no, everywhere you look, you'll just see all these little facets yes. of scripture and things happening that show how approved you are, how loved you are, how, how God doesn't shame you. Wow. I'm telling you. It's how powerful. you're qualified. Yeah. Finding your worth. Yeah. Uh, that's a game changer. So hopefully when you read that again, you can go, okay, that makes sense with these steps. Again, when you're rooted and grounded in love, you'll begin to do the things that you already desire to do anyway. Because wow. a branch produces fruit. That's what it does, right? And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago that Jesus is the vine. God, the father is what? The vine dresser. Yes. And what are we? Branches. Branches produce fruit and they don't have to struggle to do it. It's the job of a healthy vine and an awesome vine dresser. Yeah. Anyway. I'm just trying to keep up, man. How many got some? That, that was good, right? That well, was good. Let me read this Study. out of the mirror translation real quick. Read it. First Timothy 2.15. This is awesome. Listen to this. It says, without any delay, live your life from a place where you are familiar with the complete approval of God. You do not need to apologize for the fact that your experience might be a contradiction to your faith or what you choose to believe. What God believes about you needs no defense. Wow. Changes wow. everything, doesn't Study it? Study what God <laughs> believes about you. Come on. Because you're approved. Yeah. It, it already makes way more sense. It just brings a clarity to it. And I would say this, that living by works is so much easier than living by faith. Right? Because the works is, I've got the list I've got the boxes, I can check them off. Help me, give me the pamphlet on Christianity. Tell me how to do this. But you know what's hard to do? To actually live by faith. When, when Jesus is saying, guys, here's what I'm asking you to do. Love as I've loved you. Come on, Jesus, give me more. I need some parameters. Yeah. Nope, here's your parameter, love. Love is the law that's been sown into your heart. Live out of that, all the other stuff's gonna fall in line. Wow. The relationships, the outreach, the Come worship, on. the growth, all those things will flow out of that, including disciples making disciples. And I found that it's not me going, okay, I need to plan another class. Nothing wrong with that. I, I love having Bible study and classes and groups where we can talk, but it's actually just having relationship with people yeah. and teaching them what, what you've learned. That, that breaks it down and actually puts it into my life. Okay. You know, doing steps one, two, three, four, it, for me, that's easy. It gives me something to do. I'm choleric. I want to focus on something. I want to knock them steps out. So I can get that participation ribbon. But to actually walk in faith and for God to say, hey, I need you to walk in love. I'm, I'm, sometimes I feel lost. And I feel like, well, you're not giving me any steps. You're just telling me to love. I'm trying to love. I'm trying to love. I'm trying to love. What's that really mean? Well, that's why we're breaking down this funnel of love into the different aspects of relationship. Hey, put love into relationships, put love into service, put love into worship. Right. We're putting everything in and it might look like steps, but this is through faith. Sure. This is through your day to day. Hey, sure. I got to remind myself to walk in love. Yeah. Now, do I mess up? Sure. It's a process. Yeah. And it's, I love technology, Pete. 
I just got a text. Someone in the congregation, they, they just saw this breakdown of the word. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, everyone's teaching today. Isn't this cool? But, but, Where are they at? But, <laughs> but the word love is the word agape, which we're familiar with, yeah. which we know is God's love. It's a God kind of love. But I love what, what they had sent me here, that Greek word agape. It's not so much a matter of emotion as it is of doing things for the benefit of another person. That is having an unselfish concern for another and willingness to seek the best for another. Wow. Isn't that awesome? That's the, awesome. That's the love funnel. That is so good. That's so good, man. Or the funnel of love. So let me ask you this. Have you, have you struggled? Because, you know, we talk so much about not having the us and them mentality. But we were talking yesterday a little bit, and you said, you know, I, I really for a while would, would struggle. I look at people and judge them. Definitely. I used to. Uh, I used to look at people, and automatically there was a judgment, whether it was what they're wearing, how they're walking, what hat, you know, hairstyle. Yeah. It's automatic judgment. Uh, self and culture has unfortunately taught us this. We have to break this cycle with, with love. Sure. But, but I would look at and I would judge them. And then through my judgment, I would try to love them. Mm. And that for me was a hard place to be because the judgment always came first. Sure. So what I've recently tried to been do, be doing is, hey, no matter where they are, no matter where they are in their journey, no matter what shoe size they're in, mm -hmm. I'm going to love them right where they are. That's good. Love them where they are first, right? And, and everything else kind of trickles down and falls to the wayside. If I love a person first, it doesn't matter who they voted for. Come on, somebody. Come on. It doesn't matter that they're a Buckeye fan. Come on, Come somebody. On, somebody. <laughs> if I love them first, if we love them first, it doesn't matter because I'm not loving their perception or viewpoint. Sure. If you love their viewpoint, oh, I'll be a friend with you because you like Mexican food. Right. Follow? I'll, sure. I'll be a friend with you because of your viewpoint. You're not loving them. Yeah. You're loving their viewpoint. So when we can love first, then you're automatically building a relationship because you're deciding to love them. Yeah. Is that good? It is, but I think what happens, because Jesus uh -oh. is the ultimate example of that. Come on. Right? Like, he didn't always agree with people. So we don't say that you agree with or condone what somebody's doing in their life, well. but you still can love them. And here's the thing I found is when I've actually came to a place where I remove those walls, where I no longer see us and them, yeah. I'm actually able to sit down with somebody who believes differently or lives a different lifestyle than me. When I hear their story... You know, and some people would say, You're, it's scary, brother, because what's scary about that is like, it's all about the, the Bible and what the Bible says. I, I get that, but it's your interpretation of the Bible as well. I mean, there's like 40,000, 20,000, I don't know. There's tens of thousands of Jesuses running around because that's how many denominations there are. And denominations mean I believe differently than you, right? That's right. That's right. I believe we're all pursuing truth. I believe most of us have good intentions. But, you know, I found in those moments that I'm actually hearing their story and going, okay, some of this makes sense. And it's, it allows Holy Spirit to even change my mind on some things. There you go. And there's freedom in that. Yes. You know? But, again, the, the, I guess the litmus test for everything should be love because a lot of times I think what we do is we love our beliefs or our viewpoints more than we love people. That's a foundation. You're putting now that, that viewpoint yeah. into, hey, the, I'm coming off my foundation as my viewpoint and not off love. Yeah. So I, I do the same thing. When I'm hearing someone's story, I have love and compassion 
for where they're coming from. Now, you take a step back and it's like, sometimes I put myself in their shoes because I'll say, I used to think just like that. A few years ago, I had those exact same thoughts. I, I or it could relate. be something you've never thought or of something or, or I never, never lived. But there's a compassion yeah. and a love that goes yeah. for that person right where they are. I, I also think part of the issue is we feel like we have to change somebody. We have to save someone. But the truth is the Holy Spirit saves people. Right? In fact, it's already been done. It's, it's us awakening to that sonship. That's what the gospel is all about. Awaken to your righteousness. Yeah. You know, they, they talk often in, in the apostles talk often in the New Testament about this idea of being dead. That word means asleep. You don't know what's going on around you. The apostle Paul uses language like sons and daughters and orphans. You don't know who your family is. And so it's important that we love people. I don't have to love your viewpoint to love you. That's right. Nobody's going to agree. I, I said That's it before. Right. I'm married to my wife for almost 20 years. I'm going to continue until she dies or I die. But... I'm telling you, until that point, we're not going to agree on everything, but we love each other and we decide. That's that decision we make. In fact, the Apostle Paul, when he was writing a letter to the Ephesians, he said this in Ephesians 3, starting in verse 16, he says, I'm asking God to give you a gift from the wealth of his glory. I pray that he would give you inner strength and power through whose spirit? His spirit. Then Christ will live in you through faith. Now listen, this isn't a threat. Like if you do these things, then Christ will be there. What I believe he's saying is then you will actually become aware. You'll have faith. It will stir up that faith within you to go, okay, this is the way to live. He says, I also pray, look at this, that love, say love, Love. may be the ground into which you sink your roots and on which you have your foundation. Wow. That's what we've been talking about this whole time. He says, this way, with all of God's people, you will be able to understand how wide long, high, and deep his love is. So he, he's given us what I think is a lifetime to even try and fathom or measure the immensity of his love. He says, you will know Christ's love, which goes far beyond any knowledge. I am praying this so that you may be completely filled with God. Again, it's, it's not a threat. Like if you're not doing it, you won't be completely filled. Yeah. But think about this. You're allowing what's in you to just build up so much and be stirred up, it actually begins to come out. What's it manifest as? Love toward others. Well, that ground, you know, being rooted in that love, sometimes us as a church or us as different people, we will root ourselves in something other than love. And when we root ourselves in self, sometimes we root ourselves in church Mm -hmm. and we make church our foundation so toughy. Sometimes, sure. Sometimes we root ourselves in the Bible, mm. and we stand on the Bible, and we're not we're not walking out of love. We're Bible thumpers. Hey, I got good news. You're going to hell. <laughs> what? Thanks, buddy. I'm like, what? That that to me makes no sense. That's not walking in love. And and I think I, I think what you're saying on that, Pete, though, is. It's not that church and the Bible are bad. Not at all. But again, we've got to be careful because you might come from a certain tribe or camp that, that reads the Bible a certain way, Ooh, right? I mean, you, you've seen the bumper stickers, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. But, wow. but, but then sometimes I hear him talking, I'm like, but God didn't say that. Not, according, not condescending, I'm just like, but see, you think God did. So, so even that idea, I understand our intentions are, I really want to stand on this, but I've learned how to, 
What is it? Hold on loosely, but don't let it go. That's a really good song, isn't it? Yeah, I should write a song with those lyrics in it. Hold on loosely, but don't let it go. I didn't get that one. Oh, I'm older than you, apparently. Thanks, Pete. Sorry. But, but my point is this, is that I don't, I don't hold on for dear life to yeah. my theology. There's some, there's some, some things there that like, I, I won't change on. I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. I believe that he, he died, he was buried, and he resurrected. I mean, my whole life's built on this, okay? There's some things there. There's some tenets of faith I won't give up. But as far as the things that I would say aren't, I guess some denominations would say a heaven or hell issue, it's a, you know, it's not a salvific issue. It's more just what do you believe on this certain idea? I've learned how to be able to move with the spirit on these things and change my mind and be able to, you know, not put myself into a box of theology. And I think that's a good place to be. Now, it takes faith. It does. Right? And I think a lot of our brothers and sisters, they'll stay in a box, and I've done this in my past because it feels safe. This, these are the tenets of faith. This is what this, this church on. believes, and I'm going to stick to it because then I know my parameters. I know where it is. I'll tell you, when Holy Spirit started drawing me out of the box into different things, it wasn't easy. I, you know, I believe that he brought people like Jake Stringer and Jamie Unglehart and Keith Hershey into my life for me to, to realize I wasn't crazy. I wasn't the only one that was seeing things differently. Because don't you feel like that? We'd have these conversations like, dude, what do we do now? How do we, how do we teach this subject or that? Because I'm seeing it differently and I don't feel like it's wrong. It's not taking Jesus out of the equation, but man, it's changing it's things up. It's putting love in the equation. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. And, and it's not rooted in our beliefs. Now we're rooted in love. So it's, I'm not saying the beliefs don't matter, but throw that off to the wayside because when you're rooted in love, I don't care who I'm talking to. If that person doesn't agree with me, that's okay because it's not about agreement. Right. That's a hard pill to swallow. Most of us can't converse with someone that does not agree. You get all riled up inside and you get defensive and it's like, yeah. okay, wait, 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 wait. No, I'm just going to yeah. shut them off and turn and walk away because I can't handle anymore. When you're walking in love, you're like, man, tell me how you really feel. Yes. You know, yeah. spill your guts because I'm not about to change you. I'm not trying to change where you stand. I'm just here to love you. Yeah. And sometimes that's what people need to help bring down those walls right. and say, I can actually accept some change in here. Yeah. But we have to be willing to converse. Mm -hmm. If we can't communicate and even have a conversation about different beliefs, yeah. where are we? We're not walking yeah. in love. And, and, that's, and that's the thing. Again, I want to reiterate, because I want you to hear my heart here, is we're not saying to throw everything out. Not at all. Right? But it's important because, you know, for years I used to say, man, the church is just, the world is more loving than the church. Well, to be honest with you, now, like with this cancel culture thing, it's, it's crazy. It's like you're canceling anything that has anything. It was 75 years ago we're canceling it. In other words, they're saying, I can't associate with anything. But that's where people were. I'm not, we're not saying it's right, but it's the same thing. In our, you don't have to change your beliefs. Hold on to your faith. Without I do. Yeah, but I can be in a room with anybody who believes differently and still hold on to my faith and values and love them. That's what we're saying. Exactly. Does that make sense? So don't give up your faith. Right. I've seen too many people who I think, there's, I think there's some beauty in deconstructing some things, but I've also followed people and seen people who've deconstructed to the point where faith is gone. 
And I don't want that to happen to you. I've been able to, to ride kind of the edge there where I'm saying, I know what I believe right here and right now. Holy Spirit, I'm open yes. if there's something you need to change yes. my mind and on. That's a tough road yeah. only because... It's faith. <laughs> well, we can't make even our faith our foundation. If we're standing on our faith and not love, then it automatically builds in walls. I had an awesome thought. It slipped my mind. We'll, well continue. Well, something about that, though, is that even your faith is a gift. It's his faith anyway. Without a doubt. So there's something about belief, though, and I think this. I tell people, believe what you believe until you feel Holy Spirit moving you to a different belief. There you go. There's nothing wrong with that. And just because I believe differently doesn't mean you have to change. So here's the thing. We've answered the question, what is a disciple? It's yeah. a learner of love. The second question and final question we ask is this. What does a disciple do? Think about that. What does he do? And I think the short answer is loves. Or, Love. or, or maybe that's the long answer. Maybe that's the big answer because it's not as easy as we think. Right. It's a process. Yeah. But I, I do, I do want to say that I think sometimes what we do is we make the behaviors or the evidence of love, the big answer. Ah. So instead of making love the foundation, we make the practices the foundation. Because we're like, well, if I'm doing the right thing, then I must be loving. But do you understand it? Mm. It's got to flow out of that. So, you know, you put others first. You say no to sin. You don't gossip. You don't quarrel. You don't hate. We know these things. I mean, the apostles have laid this out in the scriptures plenty. We understand that. But those are just the fruit of the root, which yeah. is love. So I want us to see that as a foundation, but I also wanted to see it as the root. You want to see the good practices, the moral behavior, those things, those will come out of love. But remember, that is fruit, which comes from the root, which is love. Wow. The fruit, the root, love, the love fruit we produce, check this out, as branches comes from the root, which is love. We wear our fruit of love for others to eat. Mm. Come on, somebody. That's good. That's good. I say it a lot, right? That fruit's meant to be enjoyed. Yes. Yeah. But just like the self-pyramid being status on the other side. Okay. Okay? Status is don't get caught up in the status or amount of fruit that we wear. Mm. Status, I, I had to define it because I was... A little bit lost. I needed more clarification. Okay. Status, your position or rank in relation to others. Wow, that that that's, that's, that speaks loud right there. Yeah, and uh, our goal is to give our fruit love, our love fruit. Our goal is to give our love fruit away. Right. That's our goal for yeah. other people to eat our fruit. Why? Because the seed that's inside our fruit. When we give it away, it can now be planted in somebody else. Mm, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Come on. Undo typing. Sorry. Oh, yes, for the seed planted in others. If we were hung up on self, we hoard our fruit so we look good and our status is strong. Wow, that is good, man. So they, man, some people walk around they do. with just like... Hey, check okay, out so my now fruit. we're talking about, about church stuff. So don't get offended if this was you, but you're right. We, we do all these things and we produce fruit, or sometimes maybe it's not even the fruit of the Spirit. It's just our own frankenfruit, right? Our own concoction or something. But look at my fruit. Check me out. Look at me yeah. on full display. Look, don't touch the fruit. Don't touch it. I, I don't want any of it to go away as right. if, as if Jesus on. can't produce enough in Come you. On. 
But think about it. Look at my fruit. Look what I can do. That's, dude, that's powerful. Yeah, and, then, and then think about this. Okay, yeah. I'm, getting, I'm getting heavy, heavy. No, <laughs> but think about this. If fruit stays on the vine too long, what happens to it? Wow. It rots. Have you ever met someone who just, they have a stinky attitude? A rotten attitude? They're walking around with, with rotten, rotten frankenfruit. Come on, because they don't want to get, that's good, And if man. you eat it, you're eating frankenfruit seed. Jeez. Nobody wants it anyway. Most people go, yeah, I'm good. I'm telling you what. When people I'm, like that present the gospel to someone, they're like, yes. I'm good. I'm t- Most just of the time the it's out of good intentions, though. Of course. And then it produces, what's it produce? It produces a disciple of that person, yeah. and now you can actually walk around with frankenfruit. Yep. But what happens is church culture a lot of times says, this is what you look like. We, we put the cart before the horse, the behavior, the yep, look, what yep. you do. But people aren't rooted and grounded and established in their true identity of love. And when you do, again, now it's out of obligation versus inspiration. And so you have all this fruit, but you don't want to share with anyone because look at me, look at me. And it's about status. Wow. And look, look at the lady that got caught in adultery that was thrown before Jesus' feet. You know, you say the cart before the horse. What did he say to her? Help me out. He said, I forgive you your sin. I forgive you. Go and sin no more. Yeah. He didn't say, go and sin no more and you'll be forgiven. Mm. Come on, church. (laughs) Sometimes we're like, hey, if you behave this way, you can be my friend. We need to talk to Jesus about that when we see him. That's just too gracious, man. But you know, what it does is it opens people's heart. But what you notice, I like that you said that, Pete, because he said to her, your sins are forgiven you. Um, do you see anyone? Is there anyone condemning you? He's like, no, they're all gone. He's like, I don't either. What? And then he says, wow. go and sin no more. In other wow. words, this lifestyle has led you to this place. It's hurting you. So I forgive you. I release you. But now that gives you the power to say no to sin. That's How many awesome. times do we want people to behave right before they get our forgiveness? Mm. That'll preach. I'm so thankful Jesus isn't like that. Me too. He forgave me like 2,000 some years ago. Done deal. Before I messed up. Man. And you know, if you think about that, Jesus constantly was forgiving people left and right. Some guy's like, I can't walk. He's like, your sins are forgiven you. That's great. Can I get healed? Oh yeah, I'll do that too. (laughs) But I often say that I believe this is maybe my own, in my humble opinion, I-M-H-O, is that how it goes? Um, In my humble opinion, I believe that what Jesus did was he was releasing anything that would be a hindrance for them receiving the gift he wanted to give them. Because most people think I'm I'm unworthy, I don't deserve it. So Jesus said, hey, before anything, your sins are forgiven you. Wow. Done deal. No issue. Wow, okay, so we're, we're good, clean slate, yeah. Rise and be healed. There's nothing separating you from his love. Why did he forgive your sins? So that you could be okay with him. Mm. Because he was already okay with you. Yeah, that's good, man. That's huge. So then this brings us to when Jesus gave his disciples what we would call the Great Commission. Yep. He told them to what? He says, I want you to teach new disciples. Here we are again with this disciple talk, this learner, new students, learners, people who you'll pick up along the way to what? To obey everything that I've commanded you. Now, now let, let's, let's take this back for a minute. He didn't say, I want you to teach them everything I ever did or said. He said, I want you to teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Now, this commandment that they're speaking about appears 13 times in 12 verses in the New Testament. Wow. And Jesus says to love others as I have loved you. 
It's love, it's love, it's love. That's the basis of everything. I love this quote from Scott Hahn. He's actually a modern day theologian. He says, while the Torah, which means instruction, commanded human love, Jesus commands divine love, or Mandy, we could say agape love, right? Commands divine love for one another that is modeled on his own acts of charity. So once we understand this, we can look again at John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35, where Jesus says to his disciples, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must. He didn't say maybe. If you think you can. He says we must love one another. By this, everyone, the entire world, anywhere that you have any communication, the sphere of influence, where you are, will know that you are my disciples. If... You love one another. Bottom line, he draws it right there. So his command was not love your neighbor as yourself. We hear it a lot. Right? He, he stepped it up. He says, love others as I've loved you. Because here's the thing, and this is huge, Pete. Yeah. I said it again. Uh-huh. This, is, this is massive. This is huge. This is immense. <laughs> but it is to me. It's just revelation. I used to say beautiful all the time. I was like, it's beautiful. It's so beautiful. Chris is like, it's beautiful. But think about this. When Jesus said, you know, you've heard it said, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. He went on to say, but I say, love your enemy. So Jesus keep, keep, keeps raising this. But then he says, love others. That others isn't just those in the church. It's everyone, as I've loved you. In other words, Jesus is trying to say something. If you root deeply into the foundation of my love, you won't have enemies anymore. Wow. Jesus didn't have enemies. That's right. He, he let people crucify and put them on a cross. He even said, listen, if my disciples were anything like your followers, they'd be picking up arms and fighting for me right now. I could call a legion of angels to my wow. rescue but I'm not going to. Why? Because I'm the prince of peace, not the Caesar of violence. So he was challenging political systems at the time too because Rome was all about peace mm-hmm. through violence, peace through war, right? And so Jesus was saying, I'm not going that way. And he even let hum- humans, humanity, we committed deicide, we killed God, we put him on a cross. That didn't have to happen. Jesus allowed it to happen so he could be on full display. This is what love does. You even can love those you would consider your enemy. Wow, because there's no greater love yep. than to lay your life down. For another. That's beautiful. Huge. And Jesus said to lay your life down for a friend. So that means even the people that crucified him... Jesus was calling his friends. Come on. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. I just got something. Get it. It's almost like he's saying, forgive them, Father, our Father, because he taught them. This is how you pray. Our Father. They don't know what they're doing. They're lost. They're orphans. But let this act wow. on the cross show them that they're needed and wanted and I desire a relationship with him. The cross to me is beautiful because of that action. Without a doubt. So, wow, we could just go home now, but we're not gonna because we like talking. No, we're gonna wrap it up here, but you think about it, the only thing that yeah. was commanded was to love as Christ had loved them. See, uh, sometimes I swallow hard at the word command. Sure. Heard a lot, understood it, thought I understood it, 
when you hear or I hear the word command, it's just like, man, somebody hovering over you mm-hmm. with the finger out, you know, just sure. getting in your stuff. Yeah. So I, I had to do a search on command. It, it seems like a strong word. Uh, so here we are. I defined it. The authority, right, or power to command. To control the troops are under your command. If I give you the authority to control the troops, I have now given you command over them. Yeah. Is that a different aspect than I command you? I'm, back, I'm actually giving you authority with the command. It's like I have the authority to do this and I'm passing it on to you. Yeah. And I like that Jesus actually called it a command because it's not, it's not if you want to do this, guys. See, sometimes we can get so, so weird with this grace and love that we're like, well, he's not really demanding anything of me. Yeah, he's commanding you to love. Yeah. In fact, but we've talked about this too, Pete, that that word command in the Greek means a new goal or an ultimate purpose. So I do like that because he's saying, listen, guys, I'm giving you, like you said, something new because you're not doing it. I'm giving you an ultimate new goal and this new purpose. But you know that word in the Greek actually means also this authoritative prescription. So how many have been to the doctor before? So when you go to the doctor, sometimes they'll, they'll hear what's going on. They'll test you. They'll say, okay. Test you. I hate that. <laughs> okay. Here, we'll, we'll, we'll test it. <laughs> we'll test it. You're my guinea pig. But they'll, they'll do some Come tests on. or they'll They're ask practicing. some questions. Just work with me, Pete. Yeah, I'm sorry. They'll ask some questions. They'll do stuff. But why? Because they want to find out what's going on. You know, most doctors care. They, they got into this because they care. Right. And so often, what will they do? They'll give you a Prescription. Because a prescription might allow you to maybe bring the inflammation down, allow you to heal, whatever you need for that. But I think about that as, you know, we could call it Dr. Jesus given his prescription. He says, I'm giving you a prescription of love. Take love home. Take it every single day. And eventually, it's going to benefit you. So that command has so many different things to it. I, I, I do like seeing it as a command because you have some people going, well, I don't really, I don't have to. No, you really do. And it's not because Jesus is demanding. He's saying, your life will be so much better. Right. Because how many have ever had bitterness or hatred towards someone? I'll raise both hands. I've been there. It was really hard to release people. But when I finally did, it was like a weight off my shoulders. When you have bitterness against someone, it's not hurting them. Most of the time, they're not even aware of it. You know, my wife has said it before. It's like you're drinking poison hoping that person will die. Well, who's the one that poison's going to affect? You. Yeah. So it's so important that I, we see that. I believe it's like when you tell your kids, don't run across the road. You're mean. No, I just don't want you to get hit and die. Jesus is saying, I'm commanding you to love. Walk the way of love. It will bring yes. peace and grace and all the good things you need in life. Yeah, with that command also is given, he's giving you the authority to do it. Yeah. So it's not just like you're hung out to dry with this command and I got to work myself up in order to function. He's giving you the power. He's giving you the authority in that command in order to fulfill that. Yeah. Well, Jesus even says that, that love others as I loved you. But he even says in another portion of scripture, he says, um, but my love will be your source wow. for love. So he's not, even, he's not leaving us out high and dry to do it. He's saying, just let me do it. Oh, yeah, why? Because I'm the vine and you're the branch and you'll produce if you just abide in me. Just stay there, stay put. Don't go, don't go somewhere else. Don't try to do any wrong. Don't disconnect from the vine and walk. That'd be weird going to an apple orchard and there's a branch running around on its own. You're like, ah, right? But that's weird because it's not right. It's got to stay attached. 
That's awesome. It is. So here's the thing. Do we think then that the disciples were obedient to this command or to this prescription? Well, if you look at the Apostle John, his letters, he says things like this. And this is his commandment that we should believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and what? Love one another, even as he gave us commandment. He says, let us love one another for love is of God. No one has beheld God at any time, but if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected. That word means mature, brought, made mature in us. Second John, he says, not as though I wrote to thee a new commandment, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. And then the apostle Paul says, owe no man anything save to love him. He tells the Thessalonians, for you all yourselves, for you yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And then your favorite apostle, apostle Peter says, for you yourselves are taught of God to love one another. Do you think that they actually took this to heart? That they were obedient? We're taught by God to love, but are we? That's true. Pastor, so I want to be a disciple of Jesus. I want to be faithful. I, I, I want to read my Bible every day. Pray, tell others about Jesus. Really grow and mature. Without love, you'll be doing good works at best. All these things are put into works without love. Yep. And going and, and, and doing them with selfish motives at worst. At worst. Yeah. So can you see how you got to get this love thing right? The foundation's right there. We need to get it right. Yeah. We've had it wrong far yeah. too long. I love that. Well, let's look at one final scripture here. Apostle Paul again. Uh, his letter to the Corinthians, he says this. He says, if I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. Mm. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries, and I make everything plain as day, and if I have faith to say to that mountain, jump, and it jumps. I was waiting for you to kick in the... Crisscross back again. <laughs> but he says, but I don't love, I'm nothing. He says, if I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, this is huge, but I don't love, I've got nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Can you see the immensity of this? Can you see how important it is that love is the foundation of everything? Think about this, love is the beginning and the end of discipleship. It's the whole enchilada. It's the whole deal. That's good. Man, that's good, man. Amen. So it brings everything back to love. Without a doubt. The the love funnel. So really the question we have for you guys today is this. Did you enjoy this today? Does this make sense? We're thinking about doing some more things like this, maybe bring some other people up and just have a chat with you guys. But really it's this. Will you decide today to be a disciple? Now, I'm not saying go to a class or sign up for a group. When they're available, please do, because it will help you grow. Yeah, sure. It'll grow, grow you soulfully in your understanding, those things. But what I'm saying is, will you choose today to be a learner of God's love? Maybe you've already learned some things, but maybe you've just kind of given up because, again, and, and let me say this, you might have to turn some things off. Maybe turn off the TV, turn off the social media for a while, because it's so easy to be drawn into this battle between polarizing forces and things. And we just, we, listen, that is not the kingdom way. I'm not saying it's, it's sin to have a Facebook page. But allow Holy Spirit to speak to you. Maybe you need some time off from those things because it just, you know, for me, it was just getting to the point where I was just like, I couldn't, couldn't handle anymore. 
it would just ruffle my feathers to a yeah. point where I just, I didn't like the way that I would respond. Not online. I was smart enough to not just, okay, I'm thinking this thought. I'm not thinking it through. Let me type it real quick and post it for the world to see. Yeah. What I realized is this stuff is not good for me right now. Well, what it falls into is that worship disorder, what you're giving of your time. Mm. You're, yeah. you're, you're, you're worshiping. You're falling back on that. And yeah. now that's having more control over you than you are of it. Yeah. And it's, it's causing your focus to be off what it needs to be on. Yeah. Amen. The yeah. Father walking in love, constantly praying, constantly talking, constantly doing what we need to do, but our focus is off. So we, we walk, we're walking around with worship disorders because, sure. you know, whether it's an addiction or what we do, we, we got to hone in on that. Would you spend the most time, time management. with? Yeah, that's good, man. So again, we want to leave you guys with this. It's the foundation of love. You know, just continue to, to allow Jesus to work on your heart in these, in these areas because eventually what we want to see, and I believe what Jesus wants to see, is us picking up relationships along the way, along this journey, and doing what? Showing them yeah. the way of love. That's good. Did you guys enjoy that series? Awesome. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we once again thank you. I can't say thank you enough for just your goodness, your grace, your love. I know for me personally, it's done so much in my heart. It's literally changed me from the inside out. And that's really what salvation is about. It's deliverance, preservation, safety, wholeness, restoration. And it's in every facet of our life. But it's just, it's beautiful that you're not in a hurry. That you will even allow us to believe things that aren't right in order to maintain relationship with us. I pray that we would have that same heart toward others. That we're not in a hurry to change them. That, that, that our goal isn't to have another notch in our belt because we led someone else to Christ. But our goal is to actually have true, genuine, and authentic relationship with people just like Jesus did and Jesus still does. That they would see that it's the acceptance and it's your love that will bring change into their life. And yeah, there's several people, including myself, that still have areas of our life that need change, that need deliverance, that need restoration. But it's awesome that you promised to never leave us and never forsake us. You're there for that journey with us. So I pray this morning and throughout this series that our hearts have changed. You brought us to a place where we're open and we're willing because you won't force yourself into this but we're open, we're ready, and we're willing to say, Holy Spirit, show me the way of love. Jesus, teach me how it is that I should be in this world to others. And it's by that that we, they will know that we're your disciples. They will know that we're followers of you. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.